Democrats pass H.R. 1 for the People Act of 2021 in the House of Representatives. As we go through the bill, we'll see that the only people that seem to be benefiting are Democratic politicians. The Senate passes a massive $1.9 trillion stimulus deal. Republicans think it's going to be an absolute disaster. This is Gene, and you're listening to Dumbasses Talking Politics. Hey, hey, this is Gene. Welcome back to Dumbasses Talking Politics. It's been a hell of a weekend, and I'm going to... This might be a little longer than it should be, but it it has to be because I just can't keep up with all the crap that's going on. So, the Democrats have decided that since they won the last election by screwing up the election due to COVID, they should be able to do that at any time. So last week, they passed uh, H.R. 1, which is known as the uh, For the People Act of 2021. This would make future elections just as chaotic as the election was in 2020. This is the worst example of the Democrats trying to retain power by any means necessary. Now, a lot of this act is nothing new. It actually is implemented for the most part in California. And if you notice in California, there are Democrats everywhere, including in red in places, red districts like Orange County and Riverside. So this is just an absolutely horrid bill. We're going to go through this bill uh, because uh, it, it's really kind of it's really kind of out there, and I'm using the Heritage Foundation. So the Heritage Foundation breaks it up, and they do throw their own opinions in here. So uh, we'll talk a little bit about it. So let's take a look from the Heritage Foundation, the first part of the bill. Quote: Seize the authority of states to regulate voter registration and the voting process by forcing states to implement early voting, automatic voter registration, same-day registration, online voter registration, and no-fault absentee balloting. Wow. Um, Registration is part of the voting process and is a pain in the ass, and it should be a pain in the ass. Uh, the reason it's not done the same day is because there needs to be some sort of verification. So typically you have to register, I think it's about two weeks before. I always register a couple of months before the elections. And I, I register all the time just simply to make sure that I'm in there. Um, and it should be a pain in the ass. It should be a pain in the ass because you should want to vote. And you should want to go through the process to vote. Anyone who doesn't want to make the effort to register probably shouldn't be voting. And I've said this before. I've said it multiple times. Now, the big problem with this process is that, one, it doesn't allow for time to actually verify addresses. And this is going to be a constant theme here. There are going to be two themes here. No verification of individuals who want to vote and unconstitutional. So... This basically federalizes the voting process so the states don't make their own decisions. The states should be making their own decisions. Let's remember one thing, that the state, when we have a federal election for president or senator or whatever, we don't have one election. We don't have a federal election. We have 50 state elections. Each state have their own constitution. Each state has their own laws. And it's made that way. That's why we have an electoral college. 
because each state does have a, a say in the voting process. The reason we have an electoral college is so that cities like Los Angeles and New York don't determine elections simply because of pure population. But we already know Democratic Democrats want to get rid of the electoral college too. So that's that's nothing new. They never win the they they win the electoral college about fifty percent of the time. They win the popular vote all the time. So that's because of Los, uh, cities like Los Angeles, Chicago, San Francisco, uh, New York, Boston. They're, they're typically democratic. Uh, now, because the federal government wants to take this away, this part of the law is probably unconstitutional. The federal government just can't take away states' rights. Next part, it makes it easier to commit fraud and promote chaos at polls through same-day registration, as election officials would have no time to verify the accuracy of voter registration information and the eligibility of an individual to vote, and could not anticipate the number of ballots and precinct workers that would be needed at a specific polling locations. There's a reason one must register two weeks in advance, so that that individual can be verified, both address, social security number, anything that would, uh, signature, it all has to be verified beforehand. This takes it away. And it also takes it away from the state, because that's the state's responsibility. Again, you're going to hear this multiple times. This is probably unconstitutional. Continuing, herd voter turnout through 15 days of mandated early voting by diffusing the intensity of get-out-the-vote efforts. It would raise the cost of campaigns. Voters who vote early don't have the same information as those who vote on Election Day. Missing late-breaking developments could affect their choices. I think this is one of the reasons Trump lost the last election. People were voting before the debates, and the Biden scandals were released after early voting had started. People did not know every, any, everything about their candidates. And polls after the last election showed that a lot of people wouldn't have voted, about 10% wouldn't have voted for Biden if they had known then what they knew during election day. And by the way, we don't need three weeks to vote. For the last 240 years, we've been voting on one day. And typically we knew who won the election that day. There's just no need to do 15 days of voting. We have actually separated the we've separated uh, the workload so that a state can figure out you know how who's who they voted for and who they didn't and get it to the government so that they can uh, announce a winner. Continuing, degrade the accuracy of registration lists by requiring states to automatically register all individuals as opposed to citizens from state and federal databases, such as the State Department of Motor Vehicles, Corrections, and Welfare Offices, and federal agencies such as the Social Security Administration, the Department of Labor, the Federal Bureau of Prisons, and the Center... Notice the Federal Bureau of Prisons? Yeah, they want felons to vote. And the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services of the Health Department and Human Services. This would register large numbers of ineligible voters, including aliens, and cause multiple and or duplicate registrations of the same individuals and put federal agencies in charge of determining a person's domicile for voting purposes as well as that individual's taxing state. This is fraught with corruption. This is California. 
California is doing this now. If I go and get my driver's license or voter ID, uh, driver's license or an ID, I actually am automatically registered. Now, California says this doesn't happen. You, for example, illegal aliens have to actually fill out a separate document to get a driver's license or an ID. Yes, California, you, you can be an illegal alien and get a driver's license. Go figure. But the reality is the forms are almost identical, and even California has admitted there has been uh, there have been illegal aliens registered. They seem to think that that is a good thing that they caught illegal aliens being registered, but because they filled out the wrong form, because the forms look identical. But the reality is, how many actually got through? We don't know. So this is just, this is huge corruption, and the state of California is absolute living proof of that. Okay, continuing. Constitute a recipe for massive voter registration fraud by hackers and cyber criminals through online voter registration that is not tied to an existing state record, such as a driver's license. It would make it a criminal offense for a state official to reject a voter registration application even when it is rejected under the color of law because the official believes the individual is ineligible to vote. It would also require states to allow 16-year-olds and 17-year-olds to register. When combined with a ban on voter ID and restrictions on the ability to challenge the eligibility of a voter, this would effectively ensure underage individuals could vote with impunity. Nothing when it comes to registration or voting should be done online. I, I don't understand this whole need for online. Everything should be paper. It is way too insecure to do all this stuff online. Registrations to vote and voting should be paper, period. That's it. We've been doing this for almost 250 years, all on paper. We never had the internet. We never needed the internet. Technology does not benefit voting or registering at all because it is so insecure. I also want to point out that... Um, why is it technology is, when we implement it in our voting systems, is it taking longer to vote? Shouldn't it technically make voting faster so we could go on the 2nd September of every of uh, every election or 2nd Tuesday of every election? I think it's 2nd Tuesday or 1st Tuesday. I think it's 1st Tuesday. But we can do voting on the 1st Tuesday of every November and that's it. Why is it actually slowing us down? We used, we'd used paper ballots prior to 2020 every year, and we always got voting done on one day. Now we need two to three weeks to get voting done? Absolutely asinine. Allowing 16-year-olds to vote is just stupid. 16-year-olds are dumb. They 16 and 17-year-olds, I'd even say 18-year-olds are dumb. They are. Sorry, they are. They don't have a prefrontal cortex that's developed they probably don't understand what's going on so yeah I, I i don't i i would even go so far as to say you should have to take a test to be able to vote in other words you should have to take a civics exam if you don't know who the first president was and i know 17 year olds that don't know who the first president of the united states was if you don't know who Abraham Lincoln, or you don't, you don't know what the Emancipation Proclamation is and think Abraham Lincoln is a racist, you probably shouldn't be voting. 
So I would go that far, but it doesn't matter. I couldn't do that. My way couldn't happen. Neither can the Democrats. This violates, directly violates the 26th Amendment of the Constitution. So it is unconstitutional. This whole, this whole section is unconstitutional. Continuing, require states to count ballots cast by voters outside of their assigned precincts, overriding the precinct system used by almost all states that allows election officials to monitor votes, staff polling places, provide enough ballots, and prevent election fraud. Again, uh, this replaces state laws with federal laws. It's unconstitutional. Not to mention there's a reason why precincts are chosen. It's to validate who will be coming in to the polling place so that uh, some illegal alien from another precinct who they don't know doesn't walk into another uh, a precinct he doesn't belong to and then tries to vote. It's corrupt and it's unconstitutional. Mandate no-tolerance absentee ballots, which are the tool of choice for vote thieves. It would ban witness signatures or notarizations required for absentee ballots, force states to accept absentee ballots received up to 10 days after the election, as long as they are postmarked by Election Day, and require states to allow vote trafficking, which is called ballot harvesting, so that any Third parties, including campaign staffers and political consultants, can pick up and deliver ballots. This should be just flat out illegal. I I think everything that they mention here, this will allow for corruption. That's all it does. California is a corrupt state for primarily because of ballot harvesting. And there are a few reasons why. First, 10 days after the election, votes can be counted? B.S., you mean all the technology in our voting systems, and it, again, we are not voting any more efficiently than we were voting back in the 1980s? Come on now. This also allows for cherry-picking of ballots. If I want a Democrat to win, I will only pick up ballots for registered Democrats. And Republicans like Gene... Forget it. We'll just bypass him. He'll have to drop his ballot off. Another problem is ballot harvesters have been known to intimidate and influence voters who may not have completed their ballots or have not even started voting. This has happened in California, where an old, especially with the older folks, where a ballot harvester will come to a home and the old person will say, well, I didn't fill out my ballot. And he said, I'll help you fill it out. Not to mention, and this is probably the big, the chain of custody is broken. The beauty of voting prior to the 2020 election is you went to the ballot box, you walked into that little booth, you filled in your ballot, and then you walked in and you dumped it in the ballot box. The chain of custody was never broken. That ballot box was locked, and that ballot box was then brought to the state headquarters where it was counted. It was opened and counted. That ballot box had a strict, small line of custody. Here, with ballot harvesters, there's no chain of custody. The ballot harvester takes the vote, does whatever he does with it, and then drops it off. So suddenly you have a completely insecured ballot. This is why ballot harvesting should be illegal. Continuing, uh, 
Prevent election officials from checking the eligibility and qualifications of voters and removing ineligible voters. This includes restrictions on using the U.S. Postal Service's National Change of Address System to verify the address of registered voters. Participating in state programs that compare voter registration lists to detect individuals registered in multiple states or ever removing registrants due to failure to vote no matter how much time has elapsed. It it also would substantially limit the public release of voter registration information, making it almost impossible for nonpartisan organizations to verify the accuracy of registration rolls, and prohibit states from using undeliverable election mail as a basis for challenging a restraint's eligibility. So, no voter IDs, no address verification, no signature verification. Improperly filled out ballots remain counted because nobody can sit there and say this is an illegal ballot. Yeah, nothing to see here. Ban state voter ID laws by forcing states to allow individuals to vote without an ID and merely signing a statement in which they claim they are who they say they are. Uh, I need an ID to drink, to drive, to get a hotel room, to board a plane, to see an R-rated movie, buy a gun, pay with a check or a credit card, withdraw money from my bank, and lease an apartment, but I don't need one to vote? Wow. Again, this over, the federal government oversteps the state laws. Law, some states require ID. Okay, Florida requires an ID. Texas requires an ID. This is unconstitutional. Violate the First Amendment with respect to a vast range of legal activity, voter intimidation or coercion that prevents someone from registering or voting is already a federal crime under the Voting Rights Act and the National Voter Registration. But H.R. 1 would would add a provision criminalizing, quote, hindering, interfering, or preventing, end quote, anyone from registering or voting, which is so vague and so broad that it could prevent providing any information to election officials about ineligibility of an individual, such as the applicant not being a U.S. citizen. We have to see this will conflict with existing laws, so that's going to be a problem. Even if this bill passes the Senate, which there'll be a snowball in hell's chance that this passes the Senate, uh, it, even if it does pass the Senate, there's no way this is getting through the federal or Supreme Courts. This is completely, this whole thing is completely uh, unconstitutional. But the idea here is they want to get the illegal aliens voting. And the best way to do that is to make it that no one can question your citizenship or anything else of that nature. Uh, and that includes criminals, um, convicted felons. They want They want convicted felons. There's a reason why... In the previous section, they talk about allowing the prison systems, using the prison systems database to register people because they want to register felons and criminals. Continuing, expand regulation and government censorship of campaigns and political activity and speech, including online and policy-related speech. H.R. 1 would impose onerous legal and administrative compliance burdens and costs on candidates, citizens, civic groups, unions, corporations, and nonprofit organizations. Okay, um, yeah, probably unconstitutional also. Uh, you can't sit back and... It, what they call 
misinformation. We're not talking disinformation. We talked about the difference between misinformation is I mistakenly said something. Disinformation is I said something so that I can change your mind and what I said was incorrect. That's what the Russians do. That's what the Chinese do. What they're basically doing is they're, they're saying, okay, we are going to censor speech they don't like. And this is already happening. So, uh, yeah, we should worry about that. That's not a good portion of the law. It definitely is going to be found. When, when this gets to the Supreme Court, not necessarily this bill, but these censorship claims actually get to the Supreme Court, and they will, we're going to see that uh, a lot of this is going to be overruled. I, even the leftist judges, justices on the Supreme Court cannot allow something like this. At least I think they can't. Reduce the number of federal election commission members from five to from six to five, allowing for political party with three commission seats to control the commission and engage partisan enforcement activities. This can actually bite both parties in the ass because sometimes you'll have Republicans, sometimes you can have Democrats. But the idea is this is supposed to be bipartisan, so it would make sense to have six. I, I don't know enough about it, but. It only makes sense. I, listen, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. This is an example of it's. we've had six commission members for, I don't know, 100 years. Leave it at six. Prohibit state election officials from participating in federal elections and impose numerous other ethics rules that are unconstitutional or unfairly restrict political activity, eliminating the ability of the residents of specific states to make their own decisions about what rules should govern the state, uh, their state government officials. This is just flat out unconstitutional, and it's just a repetition of what the last sections were talking about. Each state has their own laws for state elections. Again, there really technically is no such thing as a federal election. So each state runs their own election, and the federal government really has no say on what state legislatures come up with. So this is probably unconstitutional. Require states to restore the ability of felons to vote the moment they are they are out of prison, regardless of uncompleted parole, probation, and restitution requirements. Section 2 of the 14th Amendment gives states the constitutional authority to decide when felons are committed, who committed crimes uh, against their fellow citizens may vote again. Congress cannot override a constitutional Constitutional amendment with a statute. Okay, the 14th Amendment actually doesn't say that. The 14th Amendment talks about slavery. So, probably unconstitutional. I do have to review the Constitution. I believe there is a section in the Constitution that says that a citizen who commits a crime against another citizen cannot vote or does not or loses the right to vote. I'd have to look that up, but the, the 14th Amendment does not apply here, so that's kind of a stretch. Next, transfer the right to draw congressional districts from state legislatures to independent commissions whose members are unaccountable to voters. H.R. 1 would make, the, make it a violation of law to engage in partisan redistricting redistricting and mandate the inclusion of alien population, both legal and illegal, in all redistricting. Okay, um, this is unconstitutional. They can't do that. Uh, all districting is based off of, uh, is partisan. Texas is a prime example. And believe it or not, it's it's based on race. It's, it's a weird 
it's a weird, weird thing. But um, districting, I, I just finished Tom Cruise's book, uh, One Vote Counselor. I have to look it up. But he talked about this. Most districts are based off race, and they are partisan. So this is going to be unconstitutional because this the federal government can't determine why determine how a state dis, uh, sets up their voting districts. Authorize the Internal Revenue Service to engage in partisan activity. H.R. 1 would permit the IRS to investigate and consider political and policy positions of nonprofit organizations before granting tax-exempt status, thus enabling IRS officials to target organizations engaging in First Amendment activity with disfavored views. I hate this part for multiple reasons. First, uh, I'm not sure what this is for outside of the IRS going to harass religious and conservative organizations. That's all it seems like it's going to be. And any organization that supports Republicans. Now, mind you, the legalese of the law is not what the Heritage Foundation, but I'm sure that's what it is. That leads to my second problem with it. The IRS has already proven to be partisan and has already been used as a weapon for Barack Obama during his term, focusing on Republican-based organizations. Yeah, I know, the guy never had a scandal. Well, this was, the IRS targeting was a scandal and it was ordered by Barack Obama. This would just make it legalized, to we- legal to weaponize the IRS. So this is a very bad idea. And my final is is kind of simplistic. I think we've got enough bureaucracy in our country. We don't need to add bureaucracy, a, a bureaucracy into our voting process. We need less bureaucracy in this country when dealing with voting and dealing with quite a bit, dealing with the environment, dealing with the creation of laws. We really don't need another bureaucracy in the middle, a federal bureaucracy at that, which means it's completely inefficient in the middle of our elections. They have no basis for it. Now, I know that the IRS, they want to target these organizations because of political donations. Well, then you you nail them when you catch them. You don't sit there and look for a crime. This is what they're doing to Trump right now. They're looking for a crime. They're looking, they want all the evidence so they can look for a crime. You know something? If you find a crime, then investigate the crime. Don't find a crime first and then start an investigation. Okay, next one. Limit access to federal courts for anyone... This is a great... I love this one. Limit access uh, to federal courts for anyone challenging H.R. 1. The bill would prohibit the filing of lawsuits challenging the constitutionality of H.R. 1. I wonder why. Anywhere except in the district courts for the District of Columbia and would allow the court to order all plaintiffs and interveners, regardless of the number such as all 50 states, to file joint papers to be represented by a single attorney at oral argument, severely limiting limiting the legal representation due process of rights of challengers. Okay, very convenient to make a law that says we can't use the law to say that this law shouldn't be a law. That's essentially what they're doing. They're saying you can't challenge it. You can't go to court. You can't go to the Supreme Court. You can't go to any federal courts. You have to go to the the uh, the uh, court, the federal court in the District of Columbia, which is the second highest court in the land. But you can't challenge it. 
And you're limited on how you can challenge. This is completely unconstitutional. <laughs> completely unconstitutional. Typically what happens is you file a, a lawsuit in federal court saying something is unconstitutional. Uh, unconstitutional, the federal court will rule. Then it can be taken to the, um, then it can be taken to the court of appeals. If the court of appeals doesn't, then it typically goes to the Supreme Court. But that's a per state thing. That's not go to Washington D.C. and sue there. No, that's unconstitutional. Will be kicked out. Finally, establish a commission to protect democratic institutions that would threaten the independence of the judiciary. H.R. 1 defines democratic institutions as those that are essential to ensuring an independent judiciary, free and fair elections, and the rule of law. The commission would give the authority to compel just justices, judges, to testify and justify their legal decisions, threatening their independent judgment and subjecting them to political pressure and harassment. Awesome. So what they want to do is basically create another bureaucracy that audits judges. And then judges can be held to criminal or civil questioning as to why they made the decisions they made. This shouldn't be a shock. The Democrats have been trying to destroy these, um, uh, what do they call that? The uh, uh, grand jury process for ages. They tried to do it with uh, Trump. They tried to do it with all of the, uh, with uh, Kavanaugh. They tried to do, they, they, they are trying to break the judicial system. Again, this is unconstitutional. And I know no federal appellate or Supreme Justice is ever going to go for this because it means they're constantly going to be questioned. Here's the news's bill. It will never pass the Senate, and I think it will actually get killed in the Senate. Even senators from blue states, especially smaller blue states, such as New Hampshire, Maine, Connecticut, Vermont, will never go for this bill because it actually takes away their ability to mean something in an election. So this is a, a, a horrendous bill. It's horribly unconstitutional. It's not going anywhere. But it seemed kind of important to talk about it simply because it is a it is a, a bill that's basically trying to change. If this bill ever did get through the Senate and it ever did get through the Supreme Court and was enacted into the law, folks, our, our Democratic Republic is over. Our Democratic Republic, I would not even bother voting anymore. There's no point at that point. Okay, so that was our first story. Yes, I know it was a long one. The second story is not going to be as long. The Senate passed uh, Joe Biden's $1.9 trillion package, stimulus package. It was passed right down party lines, 50 to 49. Kamala Harris was supposedly going to have to, was on her way to the Capitol building to do the, the tie-breaking vote. Uh, one senator had to, a senator from Alaska had to actually leave. He didn't vote. He knew they were going to pass the bill no matter what. Um, he had to go back to Alaska for a funeral. So that, that kind of makes sense. But let's make one thing clear here. Not one Republican senator or congressperson voted for this bloated, fat-laden, piece-of-crap bill that only gives 9% of its total price for COVID relief. Mitch McConnell pretty much summed it up 
after the bill was passed. Listen to Mitch. I yield the floor. Mr. President. The Republican leader. The Senate has never spent $2 trillion in a more haphazard way or through a less rigorous process. Voters gave Senate Democrats the slimmest possible majority. Voters picked a president who promised unity and bipartisanship. Democrats' response is to ram through what they call, quote, the most progressive domestic legislation in a generation on a razor-thin majority in both houses. The right path was obvious. We followed it five times last year. Five rescue packages totaling $4 trillion, and none of them got fewer than 90 votes. The Senate wrote the CARES Act, Republicans and Democrats shoulder to shoulder. That was the road to real pandemic relief, but Democrats actually wanted, Mr. President, something else. They explained their intent very clearly. To exploit this crisis, quote, as a tremendous opportunity to restructure things to fit our vision. I know the clip was a little long because, you know, Cocaine Mitch isn't actually the swiftest guy in the world to uh, speak, but that was pretty much accurate. This was just a waste of money, and it was there to push Democrat wants. Don't forget, this bill, 9% goes to COVID relief. The rest of it goes to infrastructure. It goes to teachers' unions. The bill is spread over the next few years. They didn't even spend all the money from the last COVID relief uh, bill. It goes to Democratic states that have ruined their economies. States like California, New York are going to get a ton of money, a couple hundred billion dollars to fix their economies that they just trashed. Gavin Newsom is about to lose his governorship because he's destroyed California so badly. Andrew Cuomo is about to lose his governorship. And don't kid yourself, it's not about that sexual harassment crap. He's about to lose his governorship because he trashed his state. He ran that whole thing. Just, it's a terrible bill. So there were things that happened during the vote. First off, um, Senator Ron Johnson, who's a Republican from Wisconsin, said, you know something? Look, we're going to read the entire 628-page document. It took his, it took the Senate clerks 10 hours and 44 minutes to actually read this thing. They didn't finish until 2 o'clock in the morning on Friday. Steve Daines, a Republican from Montana, worked all night without sleep to try and get the Keystone XL pipeline added as an amendment so that they could actually have that run again, you know, so that we have oil and our gas doesn't go up 60, 70 cents. Do you realize gas has gone up 60 cents in California? Well, that didn't go through. But what he also tried to do was sit back and cut spending on transit pros, uh, uh, projects. An example of a tra uh, transit project he wanted cut was $175 million transit project in California. And that's just California. There's one in New York, and there's a couple in Boston. They're, they're all blue cities, by the way. 
That got kicked back. Senator Bernie Sanders also was not happy with the bill. He wanted the $15 minimum wage put back in. And that failed. Uh, actually, that failed horribly. Kirsten Cinema and Joe Manchin both said they won't vote for the bill if they if they uh, left that $15 minimum wage in there. Kirsten Cinema, who I never liked much, now I'm really beginning to like her. She walked up in the middle of the Senate and said, I will not vote for this thing. She put her hand down and then stamped out of the place. So there were changes made, which basically means this bill has to go back to the House to be voted on. The changes that were made were the removal of the $15 minimum wage, uh, the removal of the raising of unemployment from $300 a week to $400 a week, that was removed, and an extension of two weeks to how long you could get unemployment benefits. That was removed. Now, as of now, as of now, this bill has been voted by the House, it's been accepted by the House, and... Now it has been signed into law by President Biden. So a lot of us are going to be getting checks. Uh, so I guess that's good. According to analysis, each person will receive about $1,400 per person in a household. So if you have two kids and are a single mother with two kids and you make under $75,000 a year, you're going to receive $4,200. But here's what the kicker. The bill itself will cost each person $5,700 per person. That's how much garbage is in this bill. This is something that has been just flying through Twitter that a lot of economists say it's going to cost $6,000 a person. Yeah, you're going to get 1400 cash, but you're going to be paying for it. And it won't be us paying for it. It will be our kids, our grandkids. They'll be paying for it. This is just such a BS bill. It's so unnecessary. The economy is beginning to open. COVID is finished, just about finished. Our unemployment rate is under 6.5%. There is no reason for this bill outside of to pay off the unions, give Democrats money for their pet projects, and give Democrats money for their mishandling of their economies. It's really a sad thing, and we are going to pay for this. We're going to pay for this in austerity in the future. We're going to pay for this with inflation, which will happen this year. It's going to slow down the recovery like crazy. And we still have that $15 minimum wage that the Democrats want to push. So this whole thing is not over. Uh, I want to congratulate Joe Biden. He is single-handedly effed up the economy before the economy even gets a chance to get kicking again in just 40 days. Good for him. Okay, well, we got it. We got what we deserved. That's We wouldn't have had this with Trump. Anyway, so you can uh, follow me on Pat on uh, Parlor at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can follow me on Rumble at Dumbasses Talking Politics. You can follow me on Twitter at Runnin' Fool R U N N I N F E W L. You can download or listen to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Podbean, Podcast Addict, Twitcher, uh, YouTube, and Rumble. You can. Uh, 
visit my website at www.dumbassestalkingpolitics.com. I've got a bunch of links, so you can read those links. The uh, You can read the uh, Heritage Foundation uh, bill. Also, Epic Times has a nice little article on HR1. Have a nice day. Happy Monday. This is Gene, and you've listened to Dumbasses Talking Politics.